Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. Hello and welcome to today's Beyond Markets podcast episode. My name is Perlin. I head the Investment Promotion and Solutions Asia team. It is my great honor to be joined by Evi Kostakis, our group chief financial officer and member of the executive board at Julius Baer. Prior to joining Julius Baer, Evie spent more than 13 years in various expert and leadership functions in the financial industry in the US, as well as in her native Greece. Evie joined Julius Baer in 2013 as part of the corporate development team. She was appointed as CFO on 1st of July, 2022. In February this year, Julius Baer announced stellar results, recording the second highest profit in the group's history. Evie, welcome to Beyond Markets. Hello, everyone. It's a real pleasure to be here today. Thank you for having me. Today's episode is a special one in celebration of International Women's Day. International Women's Day is celebrated every year on 8th of March and brings attention to a number of issues, including gender equality, reproductive rights, and abuse against women. The theme for this year's International Women's Day is Embrace Equity. So what's the difference between equality and equity? Simply put, equality is giving everyone a shoe, but equity is giving everyone a shoe that fits. A very important aspect is appreciating the diversity of individuals in the workplace. So in today's show, we will have an honest discussion with Evie about her thoughts on corporate diversity, her management philosophy, her views on leadership and women empowerment. Finally, we will also get to know a bit more about Evie's personal and career journey. So without further ado, let's start. Evie, what does diversity, inclusion and belonging mean to you? Well, I think diversity, inclusion and belonging first and foremost mean excellence to me. I think we all know that teams are that are made up of people with very similar backgrounds are oftentimes less creative and more prone to groupthink. Whereas teams that include people from different backgrounds, different genders, different nationalities, are teams that come up with better answers to problems. So I believe, therefore, that above all, it's good business practice to promote diversity, inclusion, and belonging in the workplace. It's about recognizing and celebrating the varying characteristics and perspectives. That's diversity. Inclusion for me is about creating an environment that encourages and supports participation of people from all backgrounds and walks of life. And belonging is creating the sense of connection with an organization or community. In my view, it's critical that we don't only have diverse teams, but that we also ensure that people have a voice and feel comfortable expressing their views. We should want to hear from everyone on the team and to benefit from the diverse viewpoints. I agree with everything you said. But importantly, how do we incorporate these principles in the workplace and how do you practically do it in your lived everyday life? First and foremost, you have to foster a culture of respect and understanding towards different perspectives. I mean, we've all been in a meeting where somebody at the table, for whatever reason, needs a little bit of encouragement to speak up. So I think it's incumbent upon us to ensure that they get the support they need to speak up. And in fact, there's numerous academic studies that show that oftentimes it's women that speak up less more than men. 
So all of us have to try and recognize that and respond to it. What do you see as the fundamental characteristics of organizations that create an inclusive environment, Debbie? I think commitment is a key word here. You really have to be committed to diversity and inclusion and actually even just make it a way of life in all levels of the organization, both for the employees and our clients. It's about embracing a culture of respect without judgment. It's about having transparent policies and procedures that are consistently implemented. And this is my personal view, it's about including implementation of DNI in performance measurement. I completely agree. And beyond what you have said, DNI has a virtuous circle effect. It's been well researched that companies that score high on measures of DNI, they tend to have above peer average profitability. They boast high innovation, as you have mentioned, and they also lower volatility in terms of return on equity. So as a result, we also end up attracting better people to join and stay with the organization. Do you think our company, Julius Baer, very honestly, do you think we celebrate diverse ideas and people? I think we've made significant progress in the last few years, but of course, there's always, always room to do more. It's an ongoing process. There's definitely more to be done, but I do believe we have made progress in the last few years. We're actively seeking feedback across the organization and frequently discuss the DNI topic at the executive board level. We have an institutionalized DNI committee. We're benchmarking performance against specific goals. But of course, there's much, much more to be done. This is a marathon. It's not a 100-meter race. So we all know that being a good leader is hard. I manage a small team myself in Julius Bear. I can only imagine how much more difficult it is for those in top leadership positions such as yourself. So tell me, Evie, what do you think are the most important qualities of a successful leader and further on of successful teams? I think, first of all, the ability to inspire, to create and articulate a compelling vision, the ability to attract high caliber people that constitute good teams, being an effective communicator, skilled both at giving but also at receiving feedback, and being open to challenge, being empathetic and caring. I think that's very, very important and oftentimes overlooked. Having a strong sense of accountability, so taking responsibility for our own actions and being consequent. You have to walk the talk. And finally, this is very important. I think you also have to be very humble. No one is infallible, not even the Pope. <laughs> That's completely true. Thank you for that. Those are great insights. And I wanted to now delve a bit more into your thoughts about women empowerment in the workplace. There was a report by McKinsey in 2022 about the state of women in corporate America. It revealed that despite modest progress, women are still dramatically underrepresented in leadership. This is especially true when you look at senior leadership, where only one in four C-suite leaders, in the U.S. at least, is a woman. From your personal experience, do you think that women face unique challenges in their workplace? I think oftentimes women have to face established cultures that are created by men for men and have to adapt their style and approach in order to climb up the ladder, to get ahead in the corporate race. This obviously limits, in my view, progress and diversity. But luckily, I see the glass as half full. This is changing. But in my opinion, it's critical that we don't make this debate about women versus men, but more broadly embrace an inclusive culture that promotes diversity and 
creates room for all voices and styles. And then more broadly from a societal perspective, I think instituting things like equal paternity leave and maternity leave is something that would help us make a significant leap forward. We're not there yet, although at Julius Baer we have increased paternity leave recently. And we have a great voice of support from our head of HR, Guido Ross, is really a champion of the DNI topic. But there's more to do, not only at a JB level, but also at a societal level. Hearing you speak really inspires me and also is evidence that we do need more women in senior leadership, which is beneficial in more ways than one for any organization. Women in senior leadership can serve as role models. They can help to generate broader benefits to society such as helping to narrow the pay gap and attracting a more diverse workforce. What do you think organizations can do? And I think you may have answered this partly already, but allow me to belabor the point a bit. What do you think organizations can do to support and encourage more women to take on leadership roles? I think mentorship, so providing guidance and advice and sponsorship, and I'm on purpose drawing a distinction between the two. So sponsorship being promoting visibility and advocating for advancement are super important. Then it's about creating networking opportunities with other women in leadership roles and helping them build professional networks and establishing supportive relationships. I think including everyone in the dialogue and the action is important. This shouldn't ever be an initiative by women for women. Leaders, regardless of gender or orientation, should be consulted, educated, incentivized, and assessed on DNI initiatives and contribution. The entire organization, in my view, needs to be educated and empowered to embrace DNI and has to live and breathe it every day. Excellent. I totally agree with you. Now, I think our listeners are curious to learn more about you, Evie. So if you don't mind, I would like to ask you questions a little bit more personal, but I think would help to shed a bit of light into Evie, the person, the human being. Tell us a bit more about your childhood, Evie. What was it like? I grew up between Athens and London. My father was also, a, let's say, an international banker, so we moved around quite a lot. I have two siblings. My brother is four years younger than me, and then when I turned 14, we welcomed our little sister into the family, which was really a watershed uh, moment for all of us. So there's three of us. I was kind of a quiet kid, a little bit nerdy, a little bit sporty. I spent a lot of time on the basketball court. I was really passionate about basketball. I would say I had a very happy childhood and I grew up in an environment that gave me a lot of confidence and the right ingredients to make it. What was your career path like? Did you experience any struggles? And also what were the triumphs that you can recall that you'd like to share with our listeners today? I think everybody has had in their career and in their life struggles and triumphs. If somebody claims that they don't, we should check if there's blood running through their veins. My first job was in New York City in management consulting. And then I quickly jumped to banking. For me, one of the most enriching experiences was also one of the toughest experiences. And it's actually the, the job I had prior to joining Julius Baer. I worked for almost four and a half years at the National Bank of Greece from 09 to 13, which was during the time that Greece was at the epicenter of the cascading global financial crisis uh, when it had cascaded to Europe. I think that was where I got a lot of war stripes that I carry with me today. 
So it was a time of both struggles and triumphs. But of course, becoming CFO of JB on the 1st of July of last year was a watershed moment for me and a humbling moment as well. So if you were to ask me just conceptually what sort of the toughest thing was, looking back, I'd say that taking the giant leap forward from being a subject matter expert to leading an organization, that was a considerable one. But it's through these challenges that one learns to adapt and grow. Right. Thanks, Evie, for sharing that. And um, very inspired by your journey from Greece to the US, now to Europe. And I wanted to understand a bit more as well, who are some of the most influential people in your life, if you could think of a professional or personal influence that really inspired you? And why were these people so important to you? Well, first, my family is extremely important to me. You know, my parents, my siblings, my husband, who's my best friend as well, and also my kids. Without them, I don't think I could do what I do every day. And in many ways, they're the reason why I do what I do every day. I've worked in many different countries, I've worked in many different places. And one of the things that I try to do is maintain relationships with people that I've met at every sort of station in my life, because that provides a continuity. And for me, it's extremely important. Even if I've moved from one country to another, I always try and maintain my relationships that I forged at that point in time. That's just very, very important for me. In terms of people who have inspired me, I have to say that when Barack Obama became president of the United States, I still remember, you know, I was watching his acceptance speech with my dad in Athens, and we were both crying on the couch. And I think role modeling is super, super important. I think before he was elected, there were very few African-American kids that would ever aspire or dream to become president. Now there's probably tens of thousands. And I think that's just so important. I agree completely. For me personally, having women in leadership like yourself, for empathy, who come from a diverse background, not the traditional kind of route, makes a huge difference in terms of where we think we could make our mark in society and organizations simply by being inspired. I wanted to ask a little bit more. I know you mentioned your family, your kids. Would they also be your social support system or network, given, I'm sure, a very hectic kind of schedule that you have to follow in your current role? It's both family and friends. I think I alluded to it before. I also try to make time for nurturing friendships, both from work and outside of work as well. What motivated you then, Evie, to step up and become a leader in the organization? Because as you mentioned, that was a big change for yourself from an SME subject matter expert to becoming like a top leader with a more bird's eye view of what's going on. What motivated you to do this? It's all about having this burning desire to make a positive impact on the organization and our stakeholders. If I were to describe it in a nutshell, that's it. Now, Sometimes we talk about looking back what we could have done differently. And sometimes we also think about what advice we could give to our younger selves, the less secure individual through the lens of a teenager or a youth having a very different perspective on life. But what advice would you give to your younger self today if you could have this crystal ball? I think realizing how important networking and creating a 
support system through relationship building is if I had that realized that a lot earlier on, I think I would have been a lot wiser <laughs> earlier in, in my life. When you're young, you sometimes just think content and hard work will get you through. But it's definitely not only about that. And for me, at least the realization came later in my career, not early on. Some people, you know, have understand that early on or instinctively. But for me, it came later, definitely. Wonderful. Thank you, Avi, for your honest sharing today. It was truly a pleasure to have this conversation today with you. At Julius Bear, we aim to foster a diverse and inclusive environment that ensures access to equal opportunities for everyone, that places value on the aspects of one's identity that makes one unique. As testament to our commitment to advance gender equality and an inclusive environment, I'm very happy to say that Julius Baer was included in the Bloomberg Gender Equality Index this year. The Gender Equality Index tracks the performance of public companies committed to disclosing their efforts to support gender equality through policy development, representation, and transparency. We also reiterated our commitment to being an employer of choice through continued improvements in the benefits program, as Evie mentioned earlier, such as gender neutrality for maternity and paternity leave, family support leave, mental wellness, insurance coverage, amongst others. Dear listeners, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. And on behalf of all of us at Julius Bear, thank you for tuning in and goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.